Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Uh, Sunbury Motors, that's where I'm getting my next car. You should too. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre owned inventory, service department, awesome, sales staff. Great, they work with you. That's why they have so many repeat customers, because the experience is great. This is great. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. In a moment, Bob Grove on tonight's big sixth game between the Penguins and the Islanders. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Bridges will shadow him the entire way. Crowder is out on James. Shot clock at eight. Davis a screen. Wide open three. Good! LeBron with the final nail right there. The greatest shot in the history of basketball. (laughs) Nailed by LeBron James. Unbelievable. Wow. (laughs) Greatest shot ever. Oh, my almighty! It's like everything he does. Loose ball on the floor, he picks it up. That's the greatest loose ball pickup I've ever seen. Right? So true. I mean, I mean, everything he does. I mean, this isn't. You know, hey, look. I mean, he is. Um, he is a masterful self promoter. He always has been. Uh, oh, you know, it's like oh, my this injury. He talks about stuff like, okay. All right, what are we trying to set up here? All right, so he's always been a big-time self-promoter. That's fine, you know. Uh, but everything he does, oh, it's that is the greatest rebound I've ever seen. And the ball went up and hit the back of the rim, and nobody else went for it, and it just landed in his lap. Look, have you ever seen a rebound like that? Have you ever? Uh, yes, uh, 1.2 million times. I do a lot of games where there are a lot of rebounds. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, turn our attention to the Isles and Penguins coming up tonight. And it is game six, and we bring in, and we're do, we did it last second to get him on. It was, he was so gracious to say yes. Bob Grove. Bob, welcome. Great to have you with us. Oh, Steve, thanks for having me. All right, so let's get to it. I want to get to uh, power play. Uh, you know, there was a, a cartoon that was put out, NHL rule book by four inches thick, playoff rule book one inch thick, <laughs> overtime rule book was a, was a page. All right, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I, mean, I saw that and I got a laugh out of it, but there's a reality to it. Why, why are the Penguins right now in terms of uh, time on the power play only 15th out of 16 right now? Well, they haven't got to the front of the net. I mean, you know, you earn your penalties to some degree in the playoffs, as you just said. I'll say to some degree because they're letting so much stuff go as they do quite often in the playoffs. But the Penguins, you've got to draw the penalties. You've got to be 
uh, you know, you get to really be forcing the action and having the puck. Now, you know, they did that a little bit for, for sure in game five, which they lost. But, I mean, I think if I look at the series as a whole, I would say you're really going to get a lot of penalties by driving to the net and looking for second chances, and the Penguins haven't had a lot of that. How do you view Latang? Uh, he, I thought, you know, Game Four was was not good, but really, other than that, I think he's been really good. I mean, be honestly, I mean, yep. he had a bad start to the season, but since I'd say five, six days into February, he's generally been almost as good as I've seen him. To be honest with you, so I don't have no problem with him. Although, like many, he had a bad game in Game Four. Well, that's okay. He wasn't the only one. So let's get to somebody yep. who had a bad ending to Game Four. Yep. Uh, when Tristan Jari, what was his explanation for what the heck he saw? Because you and I both know you don't send it up the middle. <laughs> right, right. And, I mean, you know, his media availability, and I was glad to see that he took questions the day after, which was good, um, was sort of focused on what would you do differently, you know. So it wasn't like what his thought process was to let him okay. to make the decision, you know, and all he said, you know, the obviously I, I would have stopped the shot or I would have just dropped it for a defenseman. So, I, you know, I would say this about Tristan Jari. Over the last few years, he's it's been recognized, especially because a lot of fans have been talking about the progression from Flurry to Matt Murray to Tristan Jari, that this guy really handles the puck well, and that's generally – it's true that he has a skill set in handling the puck that Flurry and Murray did not. But this year, that that reputation reputation's taken a hit. Um, he's picked up a few assists, and he's you know he's had some times when he's really moved the puck smartly. But he's had too many opportunities to um, where he's not moved the puck smartly at all, and he's actually trying to do too much. And that was the that will always be the biggest example of it he just should should be opting for the simple play there period end of discussion that's a lack of experience Steve for me it's you know he has the skill but he just doesn't understand in an overtime playoff game that is a never ever ever decision no question uh and you know it's ironic that Ron Hextall now of course is with the Penguins <laughs> yeah. uh you know and Hextall handled the puck I think about as well as any goalie I've seen yeah you know yep. it's you know, if I'm Mike, I'd like, hey, Ron, could you come down and talk to him for a second? <laughs> just, just a couple words. You've been to dial s- it back a little bit. Here. Dial it back, you know, even you know, because the Flyers with Extall made it to the finals. What the heck? All right, so you know, you talked about getting to the net. Some teams can be physical teams. Some teams are finesse teams. A combination of the two. How do you look at this? Are, they, are the Penguins too finesse, or is there enough physicality in there to make a difference right now? Well, they're not. I mean, you know, they get their fair share of hits when they get into their four-check game. You know, yeah. we all know Anna will hit anything that moves. And, <laughs> um, you know, Chris Letang had a bunch of hits. We mentioned him earlier the other day. But their forward group as a whole, as a whole, is no. It's it's not it's not an overly physical group. And, that they're you know, they're built more on skill and speed. You know, so skating ability is really – what the Penguins are looking for. That's the way they've constructed their team. It's not like the Capitals who have that heavy edge. It's not like the Bruins who have a heavy edge. You know, Vegas has kind of both speed and some size. The Penguins are not really built that way. You know, and some people in Pittsburgh are saying, look, they're not built to win in the playoffs with this kind of, well, yeah, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding when when their playoff run is over. We'll see. And it could be over in just a few hours. But I would say 
You can also make the argument that the Penguins played in the most difficult division in the league this season, and they finished in first place. So I'm not sure that it's easy to say they're not built for playoff success. But we'll, you know, we'll get the ultimate answer here soon. Obviously, you get into a game like this, you expect your stars to be the stars. Look, I think Crosby always answers the bell, no matter what. I don't care who they're playing. He answers the yeah. bell. Who else, though, needs to be a difference maker answering the bell tonight to go with what Sid does? Well, they got a lot of they got a lot of guys, Steve. To be honest with you, and I feel about Sid the way you do. But you know, I also say this: the bottom line is the last three years in the playoffs. I mean, his production level has dropped. Yeah. So has so as of Genny Malkins. I mean, Sid had a great regular season. It's not happening for Sid right now in the playoffs. I mean, it's just not. He and his whole line. Gensel is really struggling. He can't buy one right now, and he is a natural goal scorer. Um, he's getting all kinds of looks. He's leading the team in shots. You know, Brian Russ has a couple. So, you know, but even his game has been in and out a little bit in these playoffs. So I, I would say they all need this. Malkin's been, you know, he's been okay since he came back. Um, had a big goal for them in game five early. But look at guys like Kapanen. There's just nothing there. Um, for me, anyway, Zucker has been a big disappointment. There's parts of his game that have been good, but he's not producing. If you look at the, if you step back and look at the Penguins, it's not just Tristan Jari and the goaltending issue because he's been sorely outplayed and he's not been good in this series. But the Penguins, Steve, are not scoring goals like they normally did. They didn't last year in the playoffs. They didn't the year before in the playoffs. And it's probably not a coincidence that two of the three playoff series came against the New York Islanders, one of the best defensive teams in the league. But the Penguins aren't scoring, and um, they all need to pick it up. All right, so now let's flip it to the other side. You just talked about the Islanders being one of the top defensive teams in the league coming in. Overall, what have they done that has really worked for them to get them to this point? Because obviously there's always that concentration on your team. Well, sometimes the other guy does something right. What are they doing right? Well, I would say um, they're not panicking when the Penguins uh, when the Penguins turn up the four-check game. As the Pen- look, the Penguins dominated them in Game Five was a perfect example. Um, did they give the Penguins shots? Yeah, the Penguins had 50 shots. Sorokin was great, mm-hmm. um, but they don't allow a lot of second opportunities. They're great at boxing out in front of the net. They're good at trying to keep as much of the play as possible around the perimeters. And they're very good in the neutral zone for the most part. I mean, so they've done their job. I mean, when I look at the Islanders and how they've thwarted the Penguins, it probably is more about the goaltender Sorokin than anybody because Varlamov lost both games that he started. But, I mean, this kid is something special. He's not just a kid, kid. He's in his mid 20s and right. he's had some good experience in, uh, overseas. I mean, this guy looks to be the real deal on what we've seen so far. And, and so the Penguins. You know, that's the thing that they've gotten more than anything else. But they've kept to their ideals of being smart defensively and trying to um, make sure that you really, really protect the front of the net. I know you gave us a few minutes. I really appreciate it, Bob. I know you're busy. Thanks so much, my friend. Anytime, Steve. Thank you. Bob Grove joining us from Pittsburgh. I'm going to shift gears and go to the Sixers in the next half hour to preview their game against the Wizards. And we'll do that in the final half hour with uh, John Clark from NBC Sports Philly. Looking forward to that. Tomorrow, the legend, Ray Dittinger. You know what's cool about Ray Dittinger? He's a legend who's down to earth and doesn't know he's a legend. How about that? That is exactly true. 
We'll come back with more in a moment. It is all brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Little Rocky Three, huh? Oh, Mr. yeah. T, Eye of the Tiger. Very appropriate for a big night tonight in PA Pro Sports. You're, aver- you're advocating violence? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just pumping everybody up. <laughs> Well, the Penguins-Islanders thing is a big game tonight. The Wizards and Sixers is an important playoff game because any playoff game is, but it's also early in the series. It's not down to I've absolutely got to make this shot. As opposed to the Penguins tonight who are in a position of, look, uh, I'm doing one of two things tomorrow. I'm either going to practice or I'm going to a golf course uh, that is, yeah, that's what it comes down to for them tonight. Uh, the uh, glad you played LeBron's greatest shot ever. Was great. Glad you did that. Oh, thank you. It, it does get to the point of, like, I mean, he'll do something like. Wow. I mean, like he does a lot of wow things. He's a great player. Great athlete, great player. Does things for a man of that size that we haven't seen in the game. But not all of it is jaw dropping. <laughs> and it's made out everything that he does is made out to be jaw dropping all the time. You know, part of it is part of it's the ESPN thing. There's no getting around it. You know, it, when ESPN has been he has been spot on, we've you know we've praised ESPN. But when it comes to and, and I understand why they do it. Look, I completely understand why they do it. Okay. If I were spending one point four billion dollars this calendar year on a product, okay, then. I'd be promoting the living daylights out of it too, because I got to somehow get my 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 investment back. So that part I get, but every time you turn around, it's like, okay, guys, 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 that was really really good, but it wasn't generational. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just slow down a little bit. Slow down. And mostly it's the talk show guys. It's mostly the talk show. They're talking, oh, wow. It's like, okay, slow down. It's not the greatest shot I've ever seen. It's not the greatest rebound I've ever seen, the greatest pass I've ever seen. It's like, he's had a whole bunch of really great ones that would be in the argument, but they aren't all. By the way, we mentioned earlier that, you know, the suit wants Lee Diffie on the show. And I think you told him in no uncertain terms that wasn't happening. No good! No good! No good! But I do have news about the lead IndyCar announcer. Oh? 
He will take over as the play-by-play broadcaster for track and field in Tokyo, replacing Tom Hammond. Wow. Well, Tom was getting up there. Well, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, so, Adam Bolton, who's been on our show before, will return for his sixth Olympics, fourth in the summer. He'll be the track analyst with Diffie, while Lewis Johnson returns for his 11th Olympics, working as the track reporter. Paul Swangar will work the play-by-play broadcast of various field events. Kara Goucher, Trey Hardy, and Sonia Richards-Ross will also return as analyst for the Tokyo Games, but Lee Diffie will be the play-by-play guy for track. Listen to this crowd. Oh, sorry. Can't do that. Now, look, Diffie's been there since 2013. I mean, he's called bobsled, skeleton, luge, rowing. Now he's going to get uh, one of the premier events. He is going to get track and field. And you know what? I loved him for the, in the luge. I thought he was excellent. Here comes the sled. Great. I see it. <laughs> Because that's one of my favorite sports to watch for the Winter Olympics, and I I just thought he made it exciting. Kind of taking aback, positive comments. All right. um, (laughs) Ooh, we got power outages here. All sorts of stuff. Wow. Boy, downtown State College got hit pretty good. Trees down all over downtown. College Avenue, uh, right in that area. Holy mackerel. You know how we do this show at Permanis? The trees are all down on that street. That street's closed. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, that caused a lot of traffic problems. Trees down everywhere. Mercy me. Storm causes power outage. No power outage here, obviously. But... Yeah, I mean, that's why you were talking about me getting there. Me getting here. I mean, I was almost here. And then I had to text you, uh, detour, got to go around. Cause, I mean, the police were blocking the road. I couldn't go anywhere. I was only a quarter mile from the studio here. Okay. But, yeah, they got trees down all over the place downtown. Wowzer. Remember the old deli, which has been closed for a while? The old deli? Tree, tree just missed coming down inside the deli. Wowzers. How about that? Oh, I came whipping through here like, holy mackerel. It was really... Probably headed your way. The line of storms going through. Right now, right now it's sunny out. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it's sunny. Suit must be all happy we broke the Lee Diffie news on the show. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure he's happy about that. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the goals that we have in this show. Is what can we do to make him happy? (laughs) That's right. And then just when we feel like we're close to accomplishing it, we then get told we're, we might be paid in suit coin. Like, oh, what? <laughs>
Like, where did you come up with this idea? I said, did you run it past Roger? He goes, you're wrecking my plan. <laughs> I was going to bypass. <laughs> I said, on the scale of Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and Sukcoin, where does Sukcoin end up? Basically, the answer I got was the horse that is still running at the Preakness that hasn't finished yet. <laughs> That's good. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous pre owned inventory. If that's what your budget says you got to go with, then uh, yeah, you got to go with it. All right, well, guess what? They make it work for you. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Very pleased now to be joined from NBC Sports Philly, John Clark. John, welcome. Great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. All right, so, John, let's get to it. Um, It's going to be Sixers and Wizards coming up, game two. Uh, So let's do this in two parts. One, what was was right about the Sixers in game one? Then we'll get to what they need to clean up. Well, Tobias Harris was definitely right. Uh, The Sixers would have been down a lot in the first half if it wasn't for Tobias Harris uh, with 28 points in the first half, and he basically got anything he wanted, and he saw he could just drive right to the basket. So Tobias Harris was huge, especially while they weren't shooting in the first half. And then Joel Embiid, when he was able to play freely and be aggressive again with the foul trouble, I mean, he just took over the game. When you have 30 points, in just 30 minutes and just 16 shots. I mean, that shows just how big he was in the game. And, that, and that's really the number one guy that the Wizards just don't have an answer for. Yeah, there's no matchup there. I mean, there's just no getting around it. Yeah, you, you know, Beal's really good. Westbrook's really good. But they don't have anybody that can match up with Embiid, especially the inside-out game of him. Uh, John, yeah, I mean, talent go, – go ahead, John, please. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're throwing three centers at him, trying to just um, slow him down. The only thing that really can slow down Joel and beat against the Wizards is foul trouble. And uh, I don't know how many of those three fouls were actually legit. <laughs> the third one wasn't, yeah, but uh, right. that's the only thing that really can slow down Joel in this series. Yeah, then that's, that's, you know, I was just talking about the Penguins uh, in the previous segment with a guest. And the Penguins, who thrive on the power play, can't get any calls during the course of of this. Then I go to the Sixers, and MB, it's you feel like MB in the first half of the game was a target for the officials. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, here's an MVP candidate, and uh, sometimes I just think that the biggest guy on the court sometimes isn't given 
the the break of hey I am the biggest guy on the court so if I am within the area of somebody or touch somebody they could go flying um, and so sometimes I think it's a little unfair because you know when you're the biggest dude on the court uh, you are gonna you know kind of have people clear out of the way um, so, so I don't think he was afforded any luxuries. On the other hand, I thought the Wizards were, which is odd. How about the uh, let's let's get to Ben Simmons because I think he's always a tough matchup. I mean, a guy that can play guard like that at that size is remarkable. How difficult has it been for the Wizards during the season and then now to actually match up with how he wants to play? Yeah, and, and you look defensively as well. Um, yeah, when you have a exactly. guy that size defensively who can basically guard five spots, uh, that's really tough to um, get offense going against him. And, you know, look, I mean, Ben, when he's in transition with that ball at his size and, and, and how quick he can get up the court, um, he's hard to, to stop. So, um, you know, and, and that's his game. Look, I mean, his game, obviously, he doesn't feel comfortable shooting, so his game is – is getting to the basket, and when he is aggressive, he can do it whenever he wants. And, you know, the big argument in Philly was, well, he only had six points in game one, and he was 0 for 6 from the free throw line. But if you take 15 assists, that's at Mm -hmm. least 30 points or more if you have three pointers, and then 15 rebounds, how many points did that lead to? So when Ben was on the court, the Sixers outscored the Wizards by 18 points. To me, that's all that needs to be said. He created a lot of opportunity. See, I'm a big Simmons guy. Uh, to me, anybody who has the ability to make the other four people around him better. Uh, and and here's, the, here's something else, John. Let me run this by you about Simmons. I really do admire athletes who understand what they're not comfortable at. Now, you can work on the offseason, but they don't try to force something they're not comfortable with. And that, uh, to me, that, that is Simmons. Yeah, and and look, I you know I go to the gym or I go some places and and I just have people Sixers fans sometimes say I'm 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 done with Ben. Why won't he shoot? Now look, the sport of basketball, the way you the way you win or the the whole point of basketball is getting that basket into the net. So for a guy who doesn't shoot, it is odd. It is odd yeah. to me that he doesn't shoot. But, but obviously, there's something that that. That he, whether it's mental or whatever, because I see him in warmups. He's going to be out on the court soon in warmups, and he looks pretty fluid and has a good shot. So to me, I don't get it. But but guess what? Yeah. He fits. He fits what they want to do. I mean, you've got Joel. You can have him down low. Then you've got the outside shooting, and you've got Ben facilitating. I mean, he sets up more three pointers than anybody in the NBA. And when you're in transition, he can take it to the rack. So so look, if if they can get it done without him shooting, I'm all good with it. Now. If you get to the finals and a team is playing, basically the Sixers are playing four on five when they don't, they're not defending him, then that's going to be a big problem. Um, but, but look, I think Doc Rivers has played it right where he says, I'm going to concentrate on the things Ben does well. And I think yep. he's played it well. Exactly. It's interesting when you mentioned that because Wade Boggs and Ichiro could really put on a show in batting practice. But when they get to the game, it was about base hits. It wasn't yeah. about trying yep. to drive the ball out. So, and and that that's where I think the acquisition a couple of years ago of, of Tobias Harris to me was so important for the Sixers because if he's going to be a distributor, it can't be just distributing to one guy. And 
I think Harris has given him another great option to distribute to, John. Absolutely, and you've seen—I mean, you've seen Tobias Harris totally take his game to another level. And when Doc Rivers had him in in L.A. with the Clippers, Doc knows how to use Tobias. He knows how to get the best out of him. And, and Tobias, yeah. I mean, he's got that extra motivation of trying to prove that he's an All Star. Um, but you know, he's he's such a team guy, and and he struggled in the playoffs last year. That was obvious. But you see the skill set that he has here, and 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 when you have the confidence and the aggressiveness. You know, that's what you saw in game one. He says, okay, Joel's out. I'm taking over. So let's talk about the defensive part of it. How do you feel about how the Sixers are matching up with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook? Well, I mean, those are tough matchups. I, you yeah. know, when you watch Bradley Beal in person uh, instead of on TV, I mean, um, he's lethal. Um, he can He can basically do whatever he wants. He can shoot the ball or he can find his way to the basket. So um, I think in this series you've seen, okay, Danny Green's a good defender, but I would say, you know, Matisse Thibel coming off the bench, he's, you know, if you go in order of your best defenders, right, Joel Embiid is your best team defender, right, because if he's under the basket or around the basket, he changes the way teams play. Mm -hmm. I think your best your best one-on-one defender or the guy who can lock somebody down is Ben Simmons. And then you look at Matisse Thibel, who is just so smart defensively. Uh, he's able to get in get in the way of uh, passes, shots. Uh, I mean, and, and look, I think he can get even a little bit better um, because he's getting getting used to the NBA. But you know, I, I think I think defensively they're going to be fine. You're going to have Beal and and Russell Westbrook get you know uh, whatever twenty points each, eighteen each, whatever. They're they're going to get their points, but um, I, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. The Sixers can even win with, with them getting their points. You saw that in game one. So um, I think the Sixers have the defense uh, and the guys to uh, hold them at bay. Is, is really all you want to do. Thibel's interesting. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Lamar Stevens. People have asked me, why is, you know, Lamar couldn't really shoot the three yet he's in the NBA because Lamar is a really good defensive player. He understands defensive concepts. Bible, you could tell when he was in college, new defensive concepts. John, when you talk to coaches, you've got stars. Embiid's a star. Simmons is a star. Harris is a star. How important is for young players like that who understand how to play defense and how important that is in this league? Oh, man. I mean, you know, you go back to uh, Sixers team 20 years ago that made it to the finals. I mean, when you look at that team on paper now, you're like, how did this team get to the finals? It was basically Allen Iverson and a bunch of other guys and uh and and they all bought in they bought in with defense and rebounding and that's really what you're seeing with these sixers as well with with matisse Thibel. he knows his role you know and you can bring him off the bench uh and have him come in and, and be a defensive stopper and um you know so i i think it's very impressive that these guys each understand their roles and then you see the other young player the rookie tyrese maxey um, yep. I mean, he's earning more and more minutes with the way he's playing, and he's obviously a guy who's going to come in and, and give him a spark offensively. Um, and he's learned, too. So I think everybody I, – I, look, I mean, everybody talked about Joel and Ben maybe not being a fit coming into this year, but, but I think they've got the perfect pieces now to fit around them um, and, and complement everybody very well. You mentioned Doc when it came to uh, Tobias Harris. What kind of difference do you think Doc has made to this point? I mean, really, everything. I mean, Tobias is, I mean, basically in every category, he's having a career year. Yeah. Um, and, and you could say that about all the Sixers, really. I mean, if you look at their 
statistics for the most part um they're all pretty much having career years or they're having better years than you know they used to say their baseball card shows um so i mean i think doc rivers knows exactly how to use tobias harris and you saw that in la um and and i think the one thing he talked about going into the season was i don't want tobias harris to have needless dribbling just boom ball comes to you shoot that ball um, and and so I think it's I think it's all just instinct now. And 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 look, Tobias, you can tell his confidence and his his aggressiveness. He's got the the, the right mindset. Um, and he's a closer. Tobias is a guy you can count on at the end of a game. If you need an important bucket, um, you know maybe maybe not a Jimmy Butler, but but Tobias Harris has has been that guy and can be that guy. What about the uh, fan base? Uh, how many fans are allowed in right now? And when they've been in there, what kind of difference have they made after the sounds of silence of last year? Oh, man. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, being in here for game one, over 11,000 fans, and it seems like they all kind of moved down or were sitting together. It was, it was pretty wild because it <laughs> sounded and looked like a sold-out building. And um, I think it makes a huge difference. And, and just the juice – that it gives everybody in the building and the feeling and then the players. I mean, the Sixers, I mean, they have just dominated at home over the last couple of years. And they've got sure the best have. record in the NBA by far over the last four years at home. So, I mean, I think the fans have something to do with that. And Joel loves playing up to the fans. You could see um, when he started to get it going, he would flex for the fans. And so, I mean, it's just, it's just a great feeling to have everybody back. It, it feels like the way it used to. We kind of forgot what it feels like. We were playing like studio basketball um, with, with the, you know, a couple thousand fans or no fans. So um, the building is jumping again, and uh, and the Wizards even talked about how difficult it is to play here. John, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your insight. It's always appreciated here. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. John Clark joining us, NBC Sports Philly. We'll come back. We'll get um, a the usual email from the suit analyzing the interview, which we'll ignore like the other times. Is that a bad policy? Oh, my almighty! On News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Uh, by the way, Drew Timmy's going back to Gonzaga for another year. Hunter Dickinson of Michigan put his name into the NBA draft today, but uh, as of right now is not retaining an agent. 
Yeah, last uh, Sixers championship was 1983. It was a long time ago. I, I'm aware. You guys don't have a lot of championships. You guys have been, like, in everything forever. Phillies have two. They've been in business for almost 150 years. They have two. Why do you think the Philly fan base is the way it is? I think they're creating it. Be more supportive. Sixers have two. Flyers had two back-to-back in the 70s. Eagles only have what? What do the Eagles have? Four? Four, yes. So four, what, 47, 48, 48, 49, 60, and, of course, 17? That's correct. Uh, Boy, no wonder you people are better. Wow. (laughs) Jeez, my baseball team is for this decade. Mm. Or for this century. God, better group. They booed Santa Claus, and he was in uniform. All right, that's long over now. Still did it. Booed him. It's part of your legacy. It's part of your legacy. So we're out. We're out playing golf, and uh, suit one put a little coin down in the hole, right? We told him no suit coin. None. You know, we didn't want worthless currency. Of course, he loses the hole, and he gives us cash. And I looked at the bill, and I said, Jefferson Davis, what's this deal? He paid us in Confederate money. He just, I mean. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. This is no shame. Jefferson Davis. I looked at him like, what the heck are you doing here? God. No God! No God! No God! And the other bill had a picture of suit light. It's just, I don't know where. I, I said, do the authorities know? Well, they do now. I guess we just told everybody. <laughs> the authorities know now. F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells foul Ah, the great Doug Bird song. Contributing to the show even while not in the studio. (laughs) Wow. All right. So, yeah, 11,000 for the Sixers tonight. What's interesting is, John said, most of them are in the lower bowl. That's right, and that's what we were talking yesterday with the spacing with the Rangers, oh, I'm sorry, with the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Knicks, yeah. So it's it's just like it's kind of, it's just kind of odd seating where some places are still trying to keep the social distancing despite the masking being a little bit lessened now. Like I don't know why you can't put some fans up in the upper bowl. Of course, I know why not. The heck! Uh, by the way, the fifty percent of the country is now vaccinated. Like fully vaccinated, right? The fifty percent, correct? Correct. And sixty percent have had at least one. And for Pennsylvania, the governor just announced seventy percent of eighteen and older have at least one dose. And we are currently at fifty-two point three, I believe, that are fully vaccinated in PA. 
Okay, well, if 70% have one, then they go back to get the other one, and then they've done it, right? That's right. There you go. All right, so we're Plus those there. who haven't gotten Johnson and who, who you're, you're not counting those that got Johnson and Johnson or will get that shot, the one shot well, vaccine. Well, no, but yeah, but they would be under the category of fully vaccinated. Right. Okay, so that, uh, you know, so the 70% with one. Right, he said seventy percent with one. Yes, that would be, that would be the other eighteen percent would be Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson would go into the category of being fully vaccinated. See what I'm saying? Yes, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. So in other words, I mean that's the equivalent of two. Correct. I'm glad you agree. The He's bottom so line is we're going we're gonna to get there sooner rather than later, and it could be quicker. Yeah, well, which I said. I said that back, first of all, when the president announced, I said, look, the president usually puts out goals where, no, with all due respect, I'm not trying to be political mean or anything like that, just being analytical. He puts out goals that he knows we can reach that way. He can say we reached it. Okay. <laughs> all right. I think that's a fair analysis. How about that? That's not trying to be mean or political or anything like that. But he'll put out goals. I'll say, okay. Then all of a sudden, see, we did it. All right, okay. Well. By the way, Mickey Calloway, former Mets manager, is banned from baseball through 2022. The earliest he can return is January 1st, 2023. He had been with the Angels this year, and then they let him go. But they were investigating sexual harassment allegations against him, and Major League Baseball has banned Mickey Callaway through December 31st, 2022. How about that? Ray Dittinger, the legend, with us tomorrow. Look forward to it here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.